benchmarking your application is an important step in ensuring that your application is running well and that the code that you have is fully optimized. However, that's usually looked at at a grander scale through load testing using tools like JMeter or something else. But in this episode, we're going to look at benchmarking at a much smaller level where we can benchmark a single method or just a command. And typically, if I'm trying to figure out if something is faster than something else, I try to strip it down to its most simple form. And then by doing so, I'm removing a lot of the variables that would come around that could potentially taint the results. So when trying to benchmark to see if one method is faster than another, I would create a Ruby file, and within there, I would run that one single benchmark. And to start our benchmark, we can do a require benchmark. We can say how many times that we want to do something, and this is just going to be a variable that we'll store an integer. Then we can call benchmark.bm, and we can create a block. Within this block, we could call report, and then we could do something. So in this case, if I want to test loops, we could do for i n one dot dot n. We could just set a variable, and then we can close that out. We can run this again, and instead of doing a four, we could do an n dot times. We can then set the exact same variable, and then we can end that block. And we can try this out again with one dot up to n. We can do the exact same thing, setting our variable. And in that as well. And so once we have our test set up, we can pop into our terminal and we can run Ruby and then the name of our file, and then we would get the results. But I have a few problems with this approach. It's too many keystrokes. To pop over to our terminal, and even if we are using some history, hitting the up arrow key and then running the benchmark again, I would still have to shift my focus from my code over to the terminal. So to get around this, I like the extension when using VS Code, and it's called Code Runner. This will give me a keystroke, and in my case, I just use the default, the Control Option N, and it will execute my code. So once I have this extension installed, with the file saved and in focus, I can hit my Control Option N, and it will execute that code for me. The second issue that I have with this approach is that it doesn't give me a whole lot of detail, and I'm going to have to refer back to my code to figure out which one of these results are for which. And not only that, I'm then going to have to analyze the numbers to figure out which one is actually faster. And another issue with this benchmark is that it's going to simply just run this one benchmark. If there's any kind of garbage collection happening. Then we could potentially run into an issue where our results aren't exactly accurate. So to kind of get around that, you can run bmbm instead, and that'll execute it one time as a rehearsal, and then it'll execute it again. But we still have the same issue with having to read the results and then figure out which one is actually going to be faster. And so that's where the gem benchmark IPS comes into play. So in our terminal, we could do a gem install benchmark ips, and once that's installed, we can modify our code a bit. So at the top, we would require the benchmark ips instead of doing bmbm. We would require ips, and then down in our benchmark, 
we can actually give it some meaningful context. And you might be able to do this with the regular benchmark, but as we'll see in a moment, we're going to get some additional benefits. So in addition, I'm going to call x.compare, and I'll save our file, and then execute it. And so one of the nice things about Benchmark IPS is that it's going to do a warm-up. And this warm-up is then basically going to make sure that not only does it have the number of calculations it needs to run in order to get a fair averaged result, but then we can also get this comparison. And as we can see, either using four times or up to are basically all the same kind of speeds. And so that's all I really have for this episode about benchmarking. However, I did find a fun resource which has a whole bunch of pre-built out benchmarks and there were some pretty astonishing results where I thought that one method was fast enough, but it's actually much slower than doing it a different way. So I prepared a fun little game where we can go through and look at two different pieces of code and then we could determine which one is going to be faster than the other. And just in case if you're wondering, the application that I'm going to use to generate the next series of images is going to be Carbon, and you can find that on carbon.now.sh. It's a really cool open source project, which will allow you to take a block of code, paste it in, you'll get syntax highlighting, and you'll get a nice little visual image that you can then copy and paste and then share on your social media, or in this case, using a keynote presentation. So the first one is, we have method one and method two. And the name of these methods will be consistent throughout the duration of this benchmark process, but the contents of the method are what we need to focus on. So in a case where you have a begin, you have some kind of method or helper that you're calling, and then you rescue something, and we're going to test that against the respond to, where we can then do a conditional to see if this test method actually exists or if we can actually call it. And to my surprise, respond to is significantly faster than doing a rescue. And for the next example, we're doing a test when calling a method if we use a splat operator versus passing in a normal array. So we have a module with nums, which is an array containing about 100,000 items. And then we have a method called call, and then we are passing in a number of arguments. And in this case, using the splat operator is going to be significantly slower by a magnitude of 500 plus times slower. And so if you were to run these tests on your computer, you may get different results as we have different processors and other things going on within each one of our systems. So your results may vary, but they should still pretty much align up with these same kind of results that I saw. And also, if you're wondering, all of these tests were ran with Ruby 2.7.2. And in the next example, we have a regular hash, and then we have an open struct. Open structs are really cool for getting an object-like interaction from a hash. So in this example, I could do whatever the object name dot foo, and I would get my result of one, instead of having to pass in brackets and then the symbol foo. But as you can see, using an open struct versus a regular hash is significantly slower. So if you're working with a lot of data, using an open struct may be kind of harmful in that particular scenario. And in the next example, we are looking at where we have an array of objects and we want to get a random object. 
So you can call shuffle on an array and then get the first item and that's going to be a quote randomized selection. Or you can do an array.sample. And in this case, I wasn't surprised by these results, but I was surprised by how much of a difference it actually was. And for 100,000 items, it was about 20 times slower using the shuffle first versus sample. And in this case, we're wanting to insert something at the beginning of an array. So two ways to do that is with unshift and then passing in the value, or you could do an array insert, the position and then the value. And in this case, unshift is significantly faster than insert. And this one surprised me where we have an array again and we want to get the first item in that array. So you can do an array bracket zero as we see in method one or an array dot first. And typically I would go with the array dot first because that's just a more Ruby-esque way of writing it. However, in the results, using first is marginally slower than calling the bracket zero. And depending on my situation for readability, I might still use first in some situations. However, if I'm working with a large data set, I probably would use the bracket zero. Continuing on with arrays, another fun one is trying to get the last item in an array. One way to do it is calling a bracket negative one, which is always going to fetch the last item, or you can call array.last. And similar to the results that we saw for getting the first item in an array, last is a little bit slower, and depending on my use case and the amount of data that I'm working with, I might still use last, but if I am working with a large amount of data, if I need to get the last item in an array, then I would probably go with the bracket minus one. If you've ever had to check to see if a hash includes a particular key, there's a couple of ways you can do it with a dot key question mark, or you can get all of the keys and check to see if that array of keys includes the key that you're looking for. And the results of this one is probably going to greatly depend on the amount of data that you actually have in this hash. But in this example, there is a pretty significant difference between just checking for the key or doing the keys.include. And on the flip side, if we want to check to see if a hash has a particular value, we could do a dot value question mark or a values include question mark. And this one actually wasn't too far off and not as, as significant as a difference as finding the keys. But again, if you have been doing keys.include or values.include, you might have a refactoring opportunity to increase some of the speed of your functions. And this one had some surprises as well. If you're working with a hash and if you want to merge in a new value or create a new key value, you can use the merge bang to do that. You can also have a brackets pass in your key equals the value. And while this difference isn't very significant, again, if you are working with a lot of data or a lot of recursion, then this speed difference could add up. And in this case, merge bang is almost two times slower than doing the bracket equal. And another fun one, and this is going to be the last one, when doing a find and replace in strings, you could do a G sub with the first parameter what you're looking for and the second parameter what you want to replace it with, or you could do a TR. 
And in this case, I was actually shocked by these results where TR is significantly faster than doing a G sub. And a lot of this code from this episode was taken from this Ruby project, Fast Ruby, where they basically go through their initial setup, then they have a whole bunch of different comparisons. So if you ever find yourself in a position where you want to increase the speed of a particular function or something else that you're doing, or just out of curiosity, you can come in here and see some pretty cool results. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.